Coming to you live from Parkview Studios, The Garage, this is The Brothers Catch-Up, a weekly podcast where two brothers come together to catch up. Before you came in the garage before, Quinn was in here with me, and he was sitting on the back of this chair while I was standing over there, mm-hmm. and I turned around, and the way his head was, uh, he was like looking at me, and when I looked really quick, his head was in a position where it looked like you were just sitting in this chair, and I said, <laughs> when did you get in here? And then I realized it was Quinn's head, and his, but it was just the way his so ears were. you were talking were, to a dog. Essentially, I thought it was you. His hair, it was like, it looked like you with your hair down. You look I like can see dog. how his ear does look like if my hair was down. <laughs> when I turned really quick, and his head was like in the human spot, because he was sitting on top of the back of the chair. Quinn, are we twins? <laughs> and now he's just hanging out. Um, that's not what, I like, I had a plan on how I wanted to start, and then that came up, so like, I... I'm all thrown off. I've been saying for the last few weeks, I've been playing a KOTOR. Do you know KOTOR? No, explain it to me. Yes, Knights of the Old Republic. I'm a kind game of, I've never played. Kind of an asshole. Because. Why? I guess, like. I have to give credit to Disney for, like, being Disney. Boo. <laughs> like, like, I can't just sit here and act like I know better. Why not? Because I don't. I'm sure I don't. But at the same time, I do believe that Disney, whoever makes decisions for the Star Wars franchise, whether it's Kathleen Kennedy, whether it's... I don't care. It's just Jon Favreau. Whoever They've is, outsourced all decision-making to, to Jon Favreau. Whoever it is, they are such... They're so dumb. Well. Dude... Do you think it's that they're dumb, or do you think that it's just like, unfortunately, all of their decisions have been Terrible. wrong? I think they're dumb. Like, they take <laughs> in all the information, they do the best that they can, and it just doesn't work out. Because they're dumb. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Probably. They're simple-minded people. Now, I think that they're, I think there's just a lot of money at play, and I think that at this point in Disney's history, they're at a sort of a... They're having an identity crisis themselves, and it's caused by their political ideologies that are at play in the company. And that's because all companies are, and all organizations and all institutions are just, uh, you know, assortments of people. They're collections of people, so they have the same flaws that people have. And I think they're a very self-absorbed company that believes a lot that anything they put out will be good. So they want to infuse everything they put out with their brand. And their brand happens to be tainted with a political ideology. And then that infuses itself into their creative output. And their creative output suffers. My thing is, they're sitting on a gold mine. There is a huge opportunity to just make good content that people would then enjoy. And then the byproduct of that would be to make a shit ton of money. And I believe that if you just gave, put me in a room and allowed me to eat, I could produce and make... The best Star Wars movies ever out of these two video games. We could have a trilogy at least. Maybe even another saga of many, many movies. But like, I could write you the first trilogy, no problem. If you write the first trilogy, can you make the second trilogy prequels? No. I would not make them prequels. Like, I already have an idea for where I would go with the next three movies. On Like on top of the three? You oh, know? yeah. Okay. So you already have six movies in your head. Yeah, potentially. Maybe nine. I think there's no end. 
You could reset the Star Wars franchise. Okay, so this is where we have talked about this. This before. is one of this is one of like three different ways you could reset the Star Wars. We have talked about this before about how there's so much content in Star Wars, but yet so little, right? Yeah. Like we have so many books, so many video games, so many of these side stories that we know about, but for some reason the movies are like there's nine of them. And they all... Well, there's... Oh, look at that rain coming, baby. Let's go. Wow, that just started. Oh, there's, we're going to get a nice soundtrack to the back of this There's stuff. nine of them, plus Rogue One and Solo. Yes. All 11 of those movies are telling the same story. Parts of the same story. Parts of the same story. But it's all the same. Yes. Which is fine. But, like, wh- like if they want to make money... Everyone like Star Wars is massive. Yes. How come they don't? Why haven't they ventured out to to these because new storylines in movies? Yeah. They've done it elsewhere. Like Attack of the Clones, the Clone Wars, the the animated series. Yeah, it's good. That that's good, and it takes on a new storyline. But it's still wedged between two yeah. of the movies. Yeah. My whole point is you could go good. anywhere. Yes. It's a galaxy a long, long time ago, far, far away, that has an established history of 4,000 years that George Lucas gave you. The stupidest thing Disney did was they immediately said, the only things that are canon now are the movies, and everything else is going to be put in the back burner because we know better than what had been built for yeah. 40 years. The fans of Star Wars that had been cultivated were fans of all the media. It was a lot of people, mostly who fell in love with the original trilogy and then showed their kids the prequel trilogy and there were generations then of movie lovers. But also, there are people who never saw the movies who either played a video game or read a novel or a comic book or even just bought a Lego set, fell in love with a mythology or a lore in some other way, played a board game that also loved Star Wars. You didn't have to just... Now, most of those people eventually watch Watch the the movies movies. and like the movies. But, like, my affinity for Star Wars is rooted in these two video games. And it's so obvious when you play these video games why. And I'm playing them through right now. And the story is magnificent. The games are fun, but the story is so good. Who wrote the game? Well, the first game was written by Bioware Studios. And I forget the names of the guys who actually wrote it, but they went on to write... A bunch of really great video games. I think they did Mass Effect and a bunch of other stuff. I think those guys to just write a script. I think they did. I think they. I think that may have happened. But I don't know. I think there's like this idea that maybe there's a, an aversion to to putting a video game on screen in the Star Wars universe. Like maybe there's. But don't it call it a video them. game. Like the video game and the movie. Could both exist with the same name, telling the same story, and not once be like, "This is an adaptation of the yeah, video." Yeah, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't all. have to yeah. be, and it you wouldn't be. Just tell that it. story. Yeah, would, you just tell the story. Hey, this is a really good story. Star Wars. Let's story. just tell it on on the, but before, on the big screen. But but you had you you had books and movies. You had books and uh, comic books and video games that all had built upon the legacy of the Luke Skywalker story. So to then throw that out and write something was a big risk. They ended up writing something worse. The right way to go about taking the Star Wars 
mantle from George Lucas, in my opinion, would have been to have bought the Star Wars universe and then said, it's all going to stay the same. These are all the stories. You can enjoy them. Nothing's canon, not canon, whatever. But we're going to leave the Luke Skywalker series alone. We're just going to make three new Star Wars movies. The problem with that is fans are crazy, and there are going to be the fans that go, hey, these two things contradict. One of them can't be real. That's true, but there's always been contradictions in the Star Wars lore anyway. Like, that's, oh. it's not like It's not like every book... But the things that were important weren't contradicted. Like, George Lucas was at the head of this storyboard and allowing things, you know what I mean? Like, isn't, but like, isn't, like, the midichlorians, like, isn't that just a contradictory to, like, the original three movies? In ways, a lot of people think it steps on toes of, like, what the original intent of the Force is. And, like, when you play KOTOR, there's no mention of midichlorians at all. And, okay. But midichlorians aren't important. Like... That's the that's what people don't get. It's like yeah, they're mentioned, but I think that was just trying to exposition for the sake of exposition. The force is what's important. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the force is the consistent throughout all the Star Wars media. It's the force. It's the Jedi. It's the Sith. And then Luke Skywalker had a family of characters that were all great, and they gave him a new family of characters, and they all suck, and they all die. They get murdered by Kylo Ren, who Luke Skywalker happened to murder. So like those are bad choices. But if you just left the original trilogy and the prequel alone and then re- then made a movie, it doesn't have to be about KOTOR, but like just three Star Wars movies about another Jedi and another part in time in the history of the universe. And you could have looked into the books and then you could have found something that even if it were like you liked the book in a way, you could have made the movie entirely different from the book and then threw the book out. Like nothing is Do you that think important. if you take the, the latest three, yeah, the newest three movies, replaced nothing? Everything's exactly the same, but just, like, rename everyone and everything so it has nothing to do with the original. And none of the do you original think it's cast a better, back. Do you think it's a better movie? Yeah, it's way better. <coughs> right? Because everything that makes it bad is, like... No, everything that makes... There's not... You can't say everything that makes it bad. A lot of what makes it bad. Yeah. So much of what makes it bad is actually, like... The movie's Palpatine just bad. comes back at the end. Like, <laughs> that's terrible. But that's what I'm saying, that's like... terrible. That's, uh, that's what I mean, though. You know how like, many, like, hours I've spent watching people analyze the that three... Those three movies? Those a lot. three movies. I know you've spent I a lot. I still do. Like, yeah. everyone on YouTube that gets posted, I don't care how many followers you have, I will watch your hour-long... Why, why you, you think <laughs> the three movies are so terrible. No one's wrong. But they are, they are an abomination. Against... <laughs> it's like a tragedy, what they did. They bought this meticulously crafted sci-fi universe threw it in the garbage and then shit out unplanned disjointed terrible films and stapled it how to the original movies to you then the amount of people that like those movies well they're just that's because like they're just like I just like anything Star Wars. They like those movies. I think everything objectively proves them wrong, so they're allowed to like the movies. I mean, I like some parts of the movies. And when I saw the first movie in the theaters, I didn't hate it instantly. I was like, they could go in good direction with this. Uh, So, I mean, I saw the first one in theaters. I think I was with you. It was okay. I didn't mind it. I was bummed that it was just kind of like a rehash. 
I wanted them to do what I'm saying to you right now. I wanted them to do something I really different. I couldn't finish the second one, and then I never watched the third one. Oh, my God, dude. It gets, it gets even worse. <laughs> so, like, I have no desire to watch them. But, like, the scene in the second one when Rey and Kylo Ren fight and kill Snoke, I like that shit. That was cool. I had no problem with them killing Snoke. But Kylo Ren should have been the villain in the third movie. I don't know what the fuck you were doing. Bringing Palpatine back and then having this weird... Everything about it is just so bad. But two is bad. It's all bad. It's all bad. So, point being, the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic video games have a story that needs to be told on film. And there is a way you could tell all... You could tell all three movies. You have three movies and they could be... Each one would be just like the original Star Wars trilogy. Like how they were different and groundbreaking. And each movie would be so distinct. Telling different stories, but they are so intrinsically connected that you can't help but need to tell them together, just like the original trilogy. Like, you can't just watch the first Star Wars movie. You have to watch the second, and then you have to watch the third. And they're perfect. And each one can be watched on their own and stand as a great movie. That could be this trilogy. And in the first, I'm gonna, I'll give you the treatment. Here's what it would be. First movie, you're just telling the story of Knights of the Old Republic. If you haven't played Knights of the Old Republic, good. Probably... If you're not interested in playing the video game, don't play it. Wait for my movie to come out. But you just kind of tell the story of Knights of the Old Republic. You preserve the twist. I'll keep in quotes the whole time. But you could pretty much go through it and slice it up to make it a 90-minute, mostly fun, action-adventure Star Wars movie. With these new characters. Where we get, like, a Jedi quest. Like, a guy, an average Joe, goes on a quest to then become... The Jedi hero. It's a hero's journey. Yeah, it'll be a traditional hero journey. And he'll meet the cast of characters along the way that we meet in the video games that then go on to be like to your, be important yep. in the story going forward. Then we could have the second film. And it's a love story because he meets a female Jedi and they fall in love. And this creates conflict for the female Jedi who's... And it's not a traditional Star Wars film because the protagonist actually goes kind of towards the dark side in the first movie. So at the end of the movie, you have kind of like a light side hero and someone who's learning to become a Jedi, and actually by the end they become Sith. That's a really different story. We haven't seen that in movies. And by the end of it, you're hooked. You're like, whoa, wonder what this trilogy is going to be. The second movie tells is a prequel. Like, God, we're Godfather 2-ing this shit. So we're going. So we're doing a trilogy, and instead of doing a third, a second trilogy of prequels, we're throwing a prequel into the first trilogy. Yes. Okay. So the first we're sandwiching movie, it. The first movie is going to. The problem serve, with that analogy is Godfather Three is awful. Yeah, but it won't be awful. It's okay. going to be sick. So, like I said, the first movie is just supposed to be like this action hero's journey, but also with the difference being that you're going to the dark. You're going from light to dark. In most Star Wars movies, it's. The, always going to be the light is the center point of the movie. Okay, second movie. Man, now we're going to see the first time in Star Wars media history on the big screen, aside from Rogue One, but even in Rogue One they don't do this. And it, and we're going kind of like what the Clone Wars do for like 11 minutes. But it's a war with Jedi and Sith. Which, so we're going to have a lot of like force users that. and lightsabers. We need that. Fighting each other. It's the biggest miss that the Star Wars movies continually misses on. But it's telling a much bigger That's story. That's what I want. This is a much bigger story. This is the story of Revan, the Darth Sith Lord, 
his ascension to the mantle of Sith Lord and his destruction of the enemies of the Republic and then him taking over and destroying the Jedi. And How many years set is this before the Skywalker story? Like 3,000 years. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's has nothing so to do with long it. before. <laughs> nothing to do with it. <coughs> like, you can leave Easter eggs. So, like, maybe, like, someday... Nah, fuck it. Don't even do it. Don't even do it. So... You put, like, one in each movie <laughs> just so the fans can come themselves because <laughs> that's what Star Wars fans do. Um, now, this is where it gets kind of cool because... The Mandalorian, it's going to be like, kind of like maybe a three-hour war epic where we're going to go through the entirety of young Revan making the decision to leave the Jedi and what destruction that brings with the people he was close with. We're going to see the Exile, who's the main character of Knights of the Old Republic 2, her decision to follow Revan and their love story. And what happens to Exile, like, you should go play Coastal Lord and Ice Shield Republic 2, that's the best Star Wars story ever told. And it's a tragedy. It's a dark, brooding story. And it's heartbreaking. It's good. She's gonna... F- they fall in love. This is the third movie. Yeah. They fall in love. She becomes, like, the right hand to Revan. But he has Malak, who's his apprentice, right? As he's going to the dark side. But she's her... She's his, like, main general. And she's winning battles against the Mandalorians. As he's going on a quest to find the Starforge, which is this weapons facility. It's essentially what they... They actually kind of stole this idea from this video game at the end of the trilogy when Palpatine brings all those Star Destroyers out of the ground. It's essentially what the Star Forge is. It's a magic, old technology that's been lost that he believes, if he finds it, can generate him a fleet of Star Destroyers to then win this war. So while he's off on this quest to find that, the exile is winning the actual war, battle after battle. And when they have their moments together, you know, they're growing closer with their trust and their bond. But the way the war is ended is Revan chooses to essentially blow up the planet where the final battle takes place. And he requests... The exile to be the one that pu- pushes the button. But in order to do it, she has to be on the planet. He's essentially asking her to kill herself, to blow up the planet, to win the war, to be a hero, but die. And she's going to feel betrayed because they're in love. But this is the ultimate sacrifice that Revan has to make to then ascend to ultimate darkness as the head of the Sith, the Sith Lord. She does that. Okay. The third movie, Exile... Uh, that wasn't the third movie? That was the that's second. That's the end of the second movie. Okay. The All second right. movie takes us through this whole war to that moment where Jesus she Christ. essentially blows herself up okay. to win the war. And then we'll see, like, the end of the movie will be, like, Revan in the aftermath. Like, how he then cleans up, believing that he just lost the love so of his life. So, first movie is about who? Revan. Well, the first movie is about the main character, who's a smuggler who is thrown into the middle of a war and he's going on this hero Jedi journey and, Sith. and he goes on this journey and at the end we're kind of left thinking he's going dark it ends so he's in the middle of a war between the Jedi and the Sith mm-hmm. 
he needs to find a missing Jedi. I didn't really go into the story because it's just the story of KOTOR 1. Got it, got it, got it. The story of KOTOR 1 is a guy wakes up in the middle of this war. He doesn't really remember his past, but he knows he has to find a missing Jedi. He finds the missing Jedi, gets trained to become a Jedi, goes off on a quest. That'll be the story of KOTOR 1. But that main character and the other Jedi are going to be important later. Story 2 is the story of Revan, the Sith Lord, and what he did to win the Mandalorian War, but essentially rise to the mantle of Sith Lord. The the show on Disney+, Plus, The Mandalorian, Yeah, th- that has nothing to do with any of this? No. Mandalorians are a race of people in the Star Wars universe. So, But the story of the And they're really the show, introduced in the KOTOR universe. But the story on the show has nothing to do with the Knights of the Old Republic. No. Well, Boba Fett's a Mandalorian. So in the original Star Wars movies... Boba Fett's, but in 3,000 years ago, Mandalorians are like a race of warrior people who fight for fun. And they're waging a contra... They think the Republic is weak. And that they have the ability to just essentially conquer the Republic. So they come from outside of Republic space to essentially conquer the Republic. In my version of the story, they're going to be sent by the Sith to do it. They're kind of in a secret alliance with the Sith. They're kind of like pushed away to get them. Revan is a Jedi who comes to then stop them from defeating the Republic. The Jedi don't want to fight in this war. But Revan believes that the Jedi don't join, the Republic is going to fall. They are too weak. And the Mandalorians will take over. So he chooses to fight in the war. Okay, so then that, that's... That's one the first in, movie. That's one. And two is the war. Then two is the war. Yeah, he goes off to fight the war. Ends in this crazy sacrifice. Sith, he becomes Sith Lord. He's, and then we go runs, to movie three. Yeah. And now when once he becomes Sith Lord, he goes on a war against the Jedi. That's the war we see. And in the, the second first movie, movie the second movie is not the story of Kotor two. It's the stuff that's told During like the the game the time between two games. Well not between two games, really the stuff that happened before game one. Let me think about the timeline. See two takes place a lot. Years after one, after or before, after. I thought you said it was a prequel. Two in our movie is a our movie is a prequel because it's telling the story of what sets up what happened before one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The game, but it's not Kotor the two. game is Kotor one. Kotor movie two is three like is little... essentially Kotor two. Correct. Okay, that's what I that's what I thought. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Okay. But it's not going to be a totally faithful retelling of Kotor two. This is where we're taking a lot of our liberties. But in order to tell KOTOR 2 in a faithful way, we have to take liberties, if that makes sense. Because KOTOR 2 is so big, and it's such a good story, we want to tell the best story possible to get, not at just taking what's in that game and putting it on screen, we want to take what that game is trying to say and put it on screen, if that makes sense. And what that game is all about is that it's it's a meta analysis and critique of the morality of Star Wars. And that's what we're going to tell in, in movie three. And I'm going to give the Disney and left-wing people out there, I'm going to throw a bone because the main character and the main love story in this is a lesbian romance. Whoa. Uh, the exile wakes up alive, but unable to use the Force. She's no longer capable of... So she's on this destroyed planet. She has no lightsaber. No. She wakes up on the Ebon Hawk. And the Ebon Hawk 
is the ship that she was on when she blew up the planet. Got it. So the Ebon Hawk, Hawk somehow got off and didn't that wasn't in the explosion that we see at the end of the movie. The Ebon Hawk is Revan's ship. And we'll know we'll learn that. It's gonna be the ship that our main character uses with the Jedi in the first movie, it's going to be the ship that's around... It's going to be like the Millennium Falcon is. Yeah, so he's around. It's a character, essentially. Yes. And in the third movie, our main character is going to be the Exile, who wakes up on this ship, right? She's alone, and she can't use the Force. Because KOTOR 2 and our, and our Trilogy 3 are going to be desolate, lonely stories. And they're going to be... They're going to challenge the individual here. And the Exile... She's going to have a female mentor named Kreia, who's in KOTOR 2, that she meets immediately in the telling of our story, who's going to essentially guide her along her reconnection to the Force. And in retracing her steps, she's going to go back. The Exile is an interesting character because she's the only one of all the Jedi that leave and follow Revan after the war ends. She doesn't die. We're going to find out how she doesn't die. We'll see like a little flashback or something. It's not that... Essentially, the ship is going to be able to save her, but in because she severs herself from the Force in the blast, it's so much Star Wars lore we're going to cram in this movie. But it won't be hard to cram it in the movie. It's just hard to explain yes, here. Yes, yes. But because, like when Alderaan dies, you know the quote: "It's like a thousand screams." Everyone could feel it when the planet Alderaan blows up and dies in the Star Wars universe, right? Yes. So when Malachor Five, the planet that she's going to blow up at the end of the war, blows up, it's going to be like that. But she's the one who's the closest to all these screams and death, the ending of all this life. And in order to just survive the explosion and that, that traumatic force annihilation, she severs herself completely. And in severing herself completely, essentially the force like explodes out of her and creates like a force field around her and the Millennium Falcon that allows the Falcon's autopilot to just shoot out of the... Ebon Hawk, not the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, sorry. I'm, now I'm getting all excited. Shoots out there. She wakes up, meets Kreia, goes on this journey to reconnect with the Force, wants to retrace her step and finds the Jedi Council because they were the ones who essentially took her lightsaber and told her she could never return to Republic space. They exiled her from Republic space. But now she's back. And she will... We don't know exactly, like, what's going on in her timeline yet. But we know that she's trying to find the Jedi Council, what's left of them. Because Revan, in the time since we've seen the trilogy, has essentially annihilated... The Jedi have been, my, the Jedi have been annihilated and scattered throughout the universe. Yeah, the way. amount of times in Star Wars history that the, the Jedi, Jedi get just get scattered. destroyed. Yeah. Why? Because... You would think they'd be stronger. Because the Force balances itself out. When one side gets too powerful, the other side defeats the other. You gotta balance, bring balance to the Force. So that's all Luke Skywalker and the story of the Skywalkers are. It's just another time when the Force was balancing itself out. Yeah, yeah Anakin was the chosen one, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the Force... That he's special. And part of the reason why Emperor Palpatine's able to rise to power is because the Jedi believe, foolishly and wrongly... They believe that Anakin is something special. And he is. <laughs> Just not in the way that they assume. So it's kind of the same thing here. So the exile is going on her journey to find the Jedi Council that exiled her because she wants to know what they know about Revan. What sent him off into space? Where did he go? Why did he leave? He's no longer around. 
It's just no one's around. What happened? So she's trying to put those pieces together for us. And through her journey, we will learn all the kind of... There's no light and dark. There's no good and bad. And Revan understood that. And Revan kind of cho- chooses to leave and chooses his own love with... We'll eventually, we'll eventually see. We'll get there. But she'll then go off in search of them. But she finds her old master. There's going to be two villains in this. So each movie has the main villain that they're going to fight at the end. So the first movie is going to be that uh, Malak is our main character is going to go and fight and eventually defeat the Sith Lord, Malak, who's the apprentice of Darth Revan. Once he defeats Malak, you know, he essentially wins the war for the Jedi. So he gets to go off. But the Jedi are essentially destroyed by them. He goes off into space. Uh, in the second movie, it's going to be the Mandalorian leader, and uh, that's going to be really fun because there's not that's the one movie where there's not a lot already kind of told. So you get a lot, we get a lot of creativity in like building the main threat there, but it would be really nice to do. In the third movie, there's two main villains, and it's <clears throat> her old master, who's her love. You know, she she finds her old master on a a desolate planet. And she has her own Jedi Academy, but she's training a bunch of Jedi who can't feel, the, who have no Force sensitivity. And she's suspicious of that. It's weird. They're all women. This is a fully female Jedi Academy. And it's clear that her old master's been corrupted by the dark side, but hasn't admitted it to herself yet. So it's part of her quest to kind of either re- try and redeem her, and when she realizes it's impossible, they have to have a final fight at the end. And then the main villain will be eventually revealed to be the master who took her along this journey the whole time but in that quest she's also running from sith lords who she thinks are essentially the main villains but they're not the jedi are scattered by darth we're going to get to see on screen darth nihilus and darth scion from the kotor movie from the kotor video game they're some of the best some of people's favorite star wars villains and they're not even going to be the main villains of our final trilogy they're just tools to get the story to kind of progress it's going to be so good they're chasing the exile because they believe that she is the last Jedi. She's not. She knows the council still exists. She wants to know why the council's hiding. We need Jedi. The Sith Lords are still dominating the galaxy. She's trying to figure out what happened. Whilst being chased by these two Sith Lords, eventually she defeats them, raises the whole next generation of Jedi for our next three movies. Remember I told you we're thinking about three movies after this. In her journey, the companions that she meets, which will be the same companions for KOTOR 2, she'll, just in interacting with this amazingly light-sided Jedi, a complete counter for what we've seen in movie one, will be able to bring about the future of the light side of the Force. And she'll be our chosen one who reestablishes balance because she'll defeat the Sith Lords, she'll defeat the hidden Sith Lords that are actually pulling the strings, and then go off on her quest to find Revan, who's our darkness, who's out there somewhere. Credits! Listen, I'm hooked. You got me. I am in. I want to do this. Is there other... Are there other people out there who have the same affinity and love for the KOTOR Yeah, stories? dude, it's a big community. That's why it's still around. That's why they keep How come no one else it. has done this? How come... The, how come it's got to have been done. Someone had to have... Had the, the amount of to... pet projects that have come out of the Knights of the Old Republic universe are not short of... The list isn't that short, but why hasn't Disney done it? They have all the resources in the world. You can't just do a fan-made movie. 
you know? No, of course I'm not. sure screenplays have been written, but it's, in my mind, it shouldn't be that hard to write a decent screenplay on this stuff. So I I should just do it, like you said. I think we should. I'll, I'll help you. I want it. I think this is I a could good, tell these stories. This is a good project. I need to do some work. I need to... There's probably a YouTube video that just tells the story of KOTOR so I don't have to play the games for hours and hours yeah. and hours. Um... So I think once I understand the story, I think we can both sit down and I think we can really. Do, I think just we write do this because you've got. I think that's a great story. Forget Star Wars. Forget anything. It's just that's just a good story. Yeah, it sounds great. Three I, I want to see it. I want to see it now. <laughs> I want to watch it. I'm now sitting here like, damn. I wish I could watch that movie. Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. <laughs> Instead, I'm like, I guess I'll go watch the original Star Wars, which is fine, but like, it's a lot outdated. Yeah. All right, I'm in. I'm excited. I know. It'll be fun. All right, that's all I want to talk about today. We've talked enough about real world shit. Yep. Let's talk about that. I think that's a great episode. <laughs> I think we just end it right there.
Welcome to After the Squirt Sports. I'm Frankie. This is Sal. Let's talk sports. And we start in the MLB. Uh, Sal, you want to make a proclamation? Do I want to make a proclamation? An apology of sorts? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, we've talked a lot on our podcast about Rob Manfred and the rules and why I think baseball's killing itself and all these things. Mm-hmm. And my least favorite rule, the one that I've been most vocal about. Man on second. It's the man on second and extra innings. It's and the worst rule. It's terrible. But I have to apologize to Rob Manfred and to Major League Baseball and to like Joe Torre and Tony La Russa and all the people who came up with this idea. Bill Belichick, whoever that could it is. Because honestly, yesterday's game between the Yankees and the Astros was the first time I think I saw it work how they probably envision it. Like, doing what, what do you they, mean? I always said, my biggest complaint about it, I have a lot of complaints about it, but one of the biggest things I would say about it is that it's not even going to do what they want it to do, which is make the game exciting. more exciting or and quicker. Quicker, yeah. yeah. Make it faster and more fun. But now we've seen this rule enough where I think it is probably making the games quicker. For sure. You We're not never, seeing as many really long games. I think we've had one 15-inning game. Yeah. I think that's been like the games longest game in the last two so that's years. one of the things they definitely want. So, so I can't say that it doesn't work because it does for what they want it to do. But the excitement thing has been something like, how is it? It's like a negative excitement. Just putting excitement. a person on second is not exciting. Yeah. It's it's a negative excitement. Cause you it didn't just earn feels, that. It feels arbitrary, and it then gives you this anxiety and like annoyance that I don't. Imagine think helps if like the, the NFL, like their overtime rule was like, you each get a touchdown, and it's who can make the extra point. Yeah. It's like, well, why would I do that? Like that seems stupid, but okay. Um. But in yesterday's game, in extra innings, when Glaber Torres drunkenly stumbles over his own two feet, we shouldn't have been in extras. We should have just won there. <laughs> I know. And then we end up in a situation where you go from, like, our runner with one out is 90 feet now, away. I know he fell. He's not hurt. I've done he what he did. Like, I've done go. what he did. That's like the, oh, I just fucked up. My ankle hurts enough where I'm going to, like. I'm going to just, I'm going to go out of this game for the rest of the day. I'll be fine. I'll play tomorrow. <laughs> but, like, I'm milking this because I am not facing the music of, like, I just stumbled and got thrown out at third with, like, you're the winning run in the bottom of the nine. No one talked about that. Like, he definitely wasn't really hurt. He barely rolled his ankle. He's fine. He tripped. But to go from that extreme where, like, the game was, like, in our hands to then having Altuve up at the plate with a runner on Ugh, second base. It's the worst. And no outs. It's awful. And then having to watch King load the bases and get out of it. I mean, it was exciting. Now... Again, it's like a negative excitement. Like I don't feel like the Houston Astros earned that turnaround. Yeah, because if there's no one on second, like, good, it's a good, just a new inning. Yeah, fine, <laughs> that'd be fine. But because there's a runner on second now, two is at the point. All of a sudden, you can hit a two-run home run, and there's no outs. <laughs> it's just like yeah, it's different, right? Like okay, no one on. Altuve comes up, he hits a home run. It's like, ah. Ah, there's your run. <laughs> and then you, you still need to now in the bottom of the inning get that one run. Yeah. 
if it's two runs, even though you get, the even though you get the run on second, it it's like, dude, we need like, a rally. Yeah, we need a whole rally here. This yeah. isn't just a run. Because now to win, you need three. Yeah. Yeah. So everything really, the dyna- it it changes the dynamics a lot, and I don't like the dynamic change. But I can't. I have to apologize to Rob Manfred because I've been extremely harsh in my it's criticism. It's not that of him bad. And this rule, and it's really not that. I bad. still don't want it though. It's not. It's not as good. It's watering down the sport. All this stuff, but just in watching the games now and seeing it in action, I apologize for my harsh criticisms. And yesterday's game was the first time I probably saw it in action the way that Rob Manfred and the leadership of baseball intend for this rule to impact the game. And I can't say that it's not doing what they want it to do. I think it's fine. So I can't say for, it's a failure for like if they wanted to implement it because of the lockout and the shortened offseason, whatever all those reasons are, fine. But like. It still better be out. Baseball. It should still it better be out for like a real season. Or like a playoff. Like the playoffs this year, you shouldn't be playing. With oh, I don't think they second. will. Right? Isn't that already said? I hope not. But you shouldn't be. But then that's the other thing, though. Is like, well, then why are we? If we know, if we know that that's wrong yeah. to not do it in the playoffs, why are we doing it at all? Why are we playing a different sport now? Because they like to give you that now, anxiety. <laughs> my argument then would just be like. Over the course of the last two years with this rule in place, I don't know how many extra inning games there have been. Maybe there's been like 100, let's say. What percentage of that has been a... Do you think the outcome would have been different had that rule not been in place? Probably not that many. Like, you gotta think, like, the same teams are probably still winning the games that they were gonna win. Yeah. But what I like, the only thing I do like about it is I think there's a lot of strategy involved with it. I agree. I think it, it forces like, you to make decisions that you I love. Make. I love the the games that go to like the 16th, 17th inning, and it's just bunting the game. The game changes around the 13th inning. If you've ever watched like a really long marathon baseball game, don't do that during a podcast. Do you think, do you think they heard that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like I really like the dynamic change of like. The first nine innings is baseball. Then, like, 10, 11, and 12 are, like, different, but, like, it's still just baseball. Then, all of a sudden, it turns to, like, every top half and bottom half of these innings are either going to be 1, 2, 3, or someone's hitting a home run. That's it. And I do, I like, I enjoy that about the game. It's like, this game ends when someone hits a solo shot. Yeah. Every game gets into that zone when you go that long. But with the extra inning rule, I do like the well. If you're the away team, should we walk the do, guy? Do we should walk? We, should we just should, walk him? Set up a double play. Should you bunt? Should you try to get more than one because you're the away team? I don't know. So I think it it is interesting, but not for me. I'm over it. Just give me yeah. regular baseball. I'd rather have regular baseball, but I can't. I just feel like I've been very harsh about it, and then in seeing it this weekend and thinking about how that game was and. Do you think so? This year, it feels like this year more than previous years, and I don't know if it's just the Yankees. I don't watch a ton of other games, like fully. I watched that Braves Dodgers. Yankee game games week. have been fast. I can't believe they came back in the ninth. <laughs> it's crazy stuff. Dude, Yankee- when Freddie, I was watching with Rachel. Rachel was reading her book, and I was just like playing my Nintendo on the couch, barely watching the game. But I was telling her like, this is a game that makes you love. Like, this is why baseball so good. Yeah, because. You're not even paying attention. You couldn't even tell you what's going on on this TV. 
but you're watching one of the best baseball games you're going to probably see this year. Freddie Freeman hit the go-ahead run here. I pointed out when he hit the home, when he when he did he hit a home run or was it just an RBI single or something? Whatever. When he got the go-ahead run in, I pointed it out. I was like, oh, "You see that was Freddie Freeman doing it against Atlanta. This might be the last time he plays here this year. It's pretty cool." And then uh, when they came back and tied it up, and then eventually won the game, that's we just watched a great game. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't have to see every single pitch. No, but it was on. You heard it was it. on. You knew. You and know then what's you going saw on. the end. And you're like, "Whoa, good job, Braves!" Or whoever, whatever the heck happened. But yeah, like the games this year feel really quick. Definitely the game, speeding it up. Games have been moving. I feel like there's less commercial. I feel like I they're doing. I think it's Pitchcom. It could be. I think Pitchcom has really sped up the game in like such a minute way that they don't have to go through signs. There's no going through signs. There's not a lot of shaking. It's like the pitchers. If you're a pitcher who likes to just be on the mound and throw, there's <laughs> really nothing stopping you now. Yeah. It's like you and the hitters the seem back. fine. The hitters don't seem to be like. Taken an absurd amount of timeouts to get out of the box, but yeah, they get the ball back. They know what pitch they're gonna throw. They throw the pitch. Like yesterday in my game, like after a pitch is thrown, like I don't leave the box. I'm just like, all right, throw yeah, me throw another pitch. <laughs> By the way, I wanted to show you this. Um, I think this video is really cool. Oh wait, hold on, I got I want to blow it up. There it is. Whoa! Yeah, almost got hit in the head. Wow! But it didn't come up and in. Who filmed that, mom? No, Amanda. Um. All right. So, time. from a Yankee standpoint, how are we feeling? I gotta feel pretty good. Can't still, really, can't really complain. Still the best record in the league. I know we got no hit, which you never want to be no hit. But, like, also, this team needs needs something to go wrong. Got no hit, and you lost... You've lost three out of your last, like, five? But... Or no, three out of your last six. This is fine. You're 500 over your last six. They're starting to get in that... I was over-thinking about just, like, winning baseball games. At this point, going into the Astros series... I was thinking, you win this series, and we're, we're literally on a path towards history of, like, how good this team can be. And just losing that extra game, all of a sudden, you're not, you're not really in that same spot anymore. You could be. All it takes is a nice, another streak, and you're right back in it. But, like, now I'm back on the, which I think is good. I don't want to be chasing history this year. I'll take it if that's where we end up. I just need us to look good win games, get comfortably into the postseason, and get this team a damn championship. That's all it should be about. But it's hard to not get excited when all of a sudden you're winning every game and they're talking about how like, no team has been this good since the Mariners in 2001. And then before that, it wasn't like the 1973 whoever. All they do is win. If they... um. Do you think it's weird how good this team is, considering how bad half of the team is? Well, that's what gives me confidence that it is good. Like, it's definitely a sum of its parts. Like, team. Joey Gallo is awful. IKF is awful. Higashioka is awful. Hicks is pretty bad. Hicks is but he's been good. Bad. He's, he's been good, but he's bad. Stanton hasn't been Stanton. 
Glaber has been great. Glaber has been good. Rizzo's been like, been a positive, Rizzo's, but Glaber... Rizzo's been like the the weirdest baseball player I I've seen. Like he's either great the hottest greatest hitter clutch of all time or just like nothing. Not doing anything. So like that's weird. Josh Donaldson is terrible. Black like, hole. Like there's IKF, not a lot of good on the team. IKF, but overall the team is good. Is like the worst defensive defensive shortstop I've ever seen. I can't believe he's like he's like he looks like Labor Torres. <laughs> I didn't even know that that like people didn't think he was bad. I thought it was just like a thing. I didn't know Yankee fans online really don't understand that IKF isn't good. Like at fielding, forget hitting, he can't field the ball. It's Even weird. when he fields the ball, it looks bad. It's not clean. Nothing ever looks clean with him. It looks so like there's no smooth, there's no fluidity. Janky. Dude, it's bad. Uh, I'm happy the Angels suck. Yeah, it's exciting. It's amazing. Like the fact that they're going to miss the playoffs. I don't want to hear any talk about either one of those two doofuses winning an MVP. Don't worry, they'll talk about it. But it can't win. happen. They're going to win the MVP. Forget <laughs> it. It's not Judge's MVP. Otani could throw nine perfect games in a row. If the Angels are not in the playoffs, you cannot give him the MVP award. The MVP race should boil down between Judge, Jordan Alvarez, and Jose Ramirez. But it's not going to be. It's just going to be like, who should get it, Trout or Otani? Like, just be ready for it. I watched this video about the top 10 prospects in 2007 and, like, what happened to their careers and, like, who they were. And Were they anybody? Yeah, a lot of them were... Like, I would say eight of them ended up having really good careers. They're pretty good. But none of them are, like, Hall of Famers. But, like, one is Phil Hughes. Hey, good, good career. career. One is Troy Tulowitzki. Great career. One is Jay Bruce. Good first half of his career. 14 years ago. Jay Bruce had a good career. Yeah. One is... Who's another guy who's really good? Who's out of that? Uh, Giovanni Gallardo is one. He had a good career. Can't say he's not a... I think he started 300 games or something. Yeah, he's a good baseball crazy. player. Good pitcher. It's like some really cool names. Um, then there were two that kind of f- pooped out. But I can't remember who they were. But it's interesting stuff. Like, you don't think about, like, go back and... Oh, one is, um... Who the heck is his name? He was on Detroit. Uh, he killed us back in the day. And now he's play. He still plays baseball. I was shocked. But he doesn't play in, uh... The U.S. He plays he was, in Australia. He was on Detroit. Uh, Pitcher? No. Hitter. Delman Young. Delman Young. He still plays baseball? Yeah, he was, like, the... He was the number one prospect in 2007. Delman Young's gotta be, like, 50. He's... He's playing in Australia. <laughs> what is he doing? Why is he playing baseball? <laughs> but he was a stud, dude. Delman Young. How old is Delman Young? Oh, he's only 36. Wow. Cameron Maben was one of them. Awful. But that's what he had a Commentator. He was a fine baseball player. One of Bad commentator. Series. Wow, yeah. Delman Young made his debut at 20 years old. He's been just baseball guy. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. He played for 10 years, got out of the league in 2015, which is why you haven't heard of Delman Young in forever. He was only 29 when he just, like... Couldn't do it. 
But he stays. That's in like young to to not to play be, baseball. Come like especially when you had a decent career. He's had I think his average career average in the MLB is two eighty four or something. Two eighty three. That's crazy. Career OPS seven thirty seven. Yeah, like it's, you're not bad. Career OPS plus of ninety eight. Like you're an healthy, average. You're an average player. Played on teams that no one cared about or knew about, and just kind of went and did other things. It's weird they said Detroit because I do remember Delman Young. As a Tiger, I remember him more probably as a twin, but he only spent two seasons in in, in Detroit. Detroit. But yes. if you if you would have just told me Delman Young, I probably say, "Oh, I wish we could have done that. I wish I I wish I could have guessed what, what like team what team I would have like said Delman Young. I think it would have been the Twins, but I don't know. It's Detroit for me. But he came up with Detroit as. Was it the end of his career? No, he came up with the... The Twins? The Devil Rays. But he was only with the Devil Rays. He made his debut with the Devil Rays, but only for a year. What, did he get traded? Oh, no, no. He made his debut, played 30 games, then played his first full season as a rookie at 21. He played all 162, and that was for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays in 2007. And they went 66 and 96, <laughs> so... Sorry, Delman. Dude, that's a great rookie season, too. 288, 316, 408, little 723 OPS. Yeah, people are thinking you're a stud. Like, do that as a rookie, and people are like, hey. Hey, what we got And here? he played, like, really good defense. Nothing. All right, that's the sports. Uh, Tyreek Hill got into a fight with someone online about Tua, but I think that was two weeks ago. We just haven't talked about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, people are really upset that he said he Tua is... <laughs> like, people think he's lying, that he likes Tua and thinks he throws, like, a really good ball and is, like, more and accurate than Patrick Mahomes. He's trying to come out Mahomes. and be like, I wonder if he... What would be the purpose for Tyreek to come out and, like, protect Tua? You know what I'm curious about now? Because, like, I bet you when Tyreek was choosing the Dolphins, he was skeptical about Tua. Better than Zach fucking Wilson. But I wonder if now... That he's played with Tua and he legitimately likes Tua and he's seeing the pushback he's getting about it. Dude, he's like, dude, if what the like, fuck is, is going on? This weird. Dude, he's got... <laughs> I bet everyone... Dude, when Tua... When the, all this stuff was going on over the past couple months... Because over the past couple months with the Tyreek stuff, it's reached a fever pitch. Yeah. Where, like, the online hate towards Just Tua like, has Tua gotten is so, so bad weird. at football. It's gotten <laughs> so weird that, like, every Dolphins player on Instagram is, like, always... Dude. Like, two is not bad. They're always, like, doing, like, in the comments, like, oh, go off, King. Like, they know that Tua hears it all. They hear it all. And, like, I think they're so ready to be, like, what the fuck is... It's got to be so weird. They're, like, wait. Because, like, these are professional players. They don't lie. one of the best wide receivers. They're not going to lie and be, like, no, this guy's really good. But you've... We've seen... Wide receivers go to places where they're not a hundred percent behind a quarterback, but they can make it. They can just say enough to be like, "He's my guy." That's not what Tyreek Hill is doing here. He's not no. saying two is my guy. He's just like two is not as bad as people say. I think he throws a really good ball. 
And then he's like had to defend that very bland statement to the point where he he's now like, yeah, he's a very high quarterback. Uh, and people are like, you okay? He's like, well, no, I mean seriously. I mean, he hits me in practice whatever every time. Like, I don't know what. <laughs> it's weird, man. I've never seen anything like it. It's racism towards Hawaiian in Alabama. That's it. There's no other thing about him. It's because he's such a Christian. He's probably too nice, dude. It's weird. It's weird. They don't like that. Like, think about how many bad quarterbacks are in the NFL that don't ever get any hate. You know the clip from Tua's wholesome, like, foundation event where, uh-huh. like, they had the Hawaiian fire dance? Like, is legitimately, like, going to church and having real charity events. And all, like, the fake NFL people who want to, like, party and do, like, all sorts of CD stuff, but then have foundations to, like, be the front of all that, they hate that shit. That's why they hated Tebow, too. Because Tebow was, like, an actual, like saintly person and they're like this person's i hate this yeah. guy <laughs> no it's probably it they like revile it like someone who's i love my mom and dad <laughs> it's weird meanwhile deshaun watson hey we love this guy yeah, literally like, the kind of guy you want to be deshaun watson also i think it's hilarious that he goes to cleveland and immediately like now he's resolving these cases Remember, when he was with Texas and the cases were coming out, NFL media generally, while they were outraged and horrified by the allegations, could not tell you enough at how out of character this was and how good of a person Deshaun is and how we just have to let the process play out because who knows what could happen. He's going to get traded to Miami and then this could just be a play by Texas, blah, blah, blah. He gets traded to Cleveland. This would happen if he got traded to Miami too because Miami and Cleveland are just like, Almost the same franchise. Cleveland gets Deshaun Watson. Another allegation comes out. And then he settles cases. But now the conversation around Deshaun Watson is like, they got to suspend this guy forever. He's a monster. Dude, he's never going to (laughs) play. He's never going to play. Maybe next year, but like not this year. I don't think he's going to play a single game. Yeah, I don't think so either. What bug is this bug next to you? I know. What kind of bug is it? It looks like... I don't know. I'm I'm not a good ID... I'm not an ID person. It's just a fly. All right. That's all our sports I got. All right. You want to play lacrosse? Oh, wait. Disc golf. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about this while I was on the course, and I thought about... I was getting hate about how many discs you need to play disc golf. I'm like, oh, no way you need that many. I mean, you're kind what of right. What do you right. mean you were getting hate? Just like having conversations with people. and like the incredulous- Online or like... At the disc golf No, place. in person. I just don't want to name names. So. Was it someone I know? Yes. Who so it's it? fine. Who was it? And you're kind of right. Like, you don't need all the discs in the world. But it's like in ball golf, how you have all your clubs. How many clubs do you bring out on the course? You're allowed 14. I have my bag full with 14. How many balls do you bring on a given day? Depends on the course I'm playing, but, like, I'm bringing at least... I, I mean, for me, I'm a pretty good ball golfer, so, I mean, I'm taking probably, like, no less than six. I shouldn't need all six, but, like, got to have at least six. And, like, if you're not good, you probably have 18 balls. You're probably taking a ball a hole. Well, that's what I was saying. Like, disc golf is if you combine the clubs and the balls. Yeah, it's all you have. So, like, you can go out there with one. But why? But are you going to play your best round with one? No, of course not. It doesn't. They all do slightly different things. But 
Not I don't, all of them. Some of them are backups for others, and but that's just because you don't have a. That's to, like in in disc golf. If they said you're only allowed twelve, you'd find twelve and be fine. But the the thing is, is like, all right, tell a PGA Tour player. You're having an unlimited amount of clubs to put in your bag. Do you know how many clubs they would have in their bag? They would bag? bring every club in the world. They're going to have the five wood that they fade. They're going to bring the five wood that they draw. They're going to bring the... Okay, they have three wedges in their bag. They're bringing ten wedges now. Yeah. So, like, that's just because there's a limit on what you're allowed to have. There's no limit in disc golf. So, like, why does it matter if I... If you want to bring five, you bring five. Yeah. If you think those are all you need, that's fine. To shoot you the do. best round Why does it matter what I do? Yeah. I'm going to have a thousand. <laughs> And I may not use 990 of them. I see the guys with the cases that wheel like 50 discs. Yeah. Like, you're not, I, in a given round, I'm probably throwing the same four or five discs 90% of the time. No, I'm on the side of bring as many discs as you want. No, but I bring like 20, 25, but I'm only really using primarily of course. a handful. I have 14 clubs in my bag. I played on Friday. I probably only hit, I know I didn't hit my three wood. So I hit driver five wood. Uh, didn't hit my fifty degree ones. Hit my fifty eight. Hit my putter obviously. And then I think I hit a nine eight and a seven. And a four iron. So like, that's eight clubs. That's six clubs I didn't use. Mm-hmm. Same with my bag. Like I don't pull many discs out of my bag all the but, time. But sometimes. But what if I get? What if I was behind a tree and I needed the six iron that I didn't hit all day? <laughs> okay. Well. Exactly. Now I have it. Thank God. And I was trying to explain that to a ball golfer who's like, no, it can't be like that. I'm like, how can you not understand I think this? I know who you're talking about. <laughs> They're wrong. <laughs> it's like, you could, you just need a, it's a Frisbee. You just need one. No. I was like, that's so, how could you not get, it's no, not they like get that. It. They get it. <laughs> There's no way they don't get it. They're lying to you. They're just trying to get a rise out of you. <laughs> All right, that's that.